Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about the top objections you need to learn how to handle and the techniques behind them. So you got to know these things. When it comes to objections, they're going to come, almost guaranteed. So we're going to make sure that you are prepared and ready to go for every situation. Now, I'd love to know, where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. I'm already seeing a couple in here. Love to see it, guys. Go ahead and throw that in the chat and be sure your chat is set to everyone. Say it all the time, but click that blue button and switch your chat to everyone or else we won't be able to see what you say. So I'm already seeing a couple in here. We got Roman here from Texas. Brian from St. Louis and Mariana from Argentina. Welcome so much. Welcome. And it's so great to have you guys here. So let's get into it. Now, today we have a very special speaker. We have Chris Sham. He is a director of business development over at Verisk. Um, now, Chris, when it comes to objections, why are they seen as such a scary part of the sales process? So, I've been working in sales for 15 years now, done a lot of enterprise deals, handful of mid-market deals, and I've helped build a couple of teams. And the thing that I've seen in myself and the people that I work with is that nobody wants to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody yeah. wants everything to be like peaceful and calm. But the reality of it is that if every if you never got any objection, then you're not really ever solving any problems because objections at the end of the day are a sign of intellectual engagement. And you want your customers to have objections, right? Like I've never had a single deal, like especially in the seven figure side of them, where they go through without objections, right? Objections are a sign that people are intellectually curious, people are engaged in the right way, and you're working with people to figure out if you can really solve problems for them. But at the end of the day, right, we all want it to be like we're walking on a beach in Miami and the sun's out, it's perfect, it's peaceful, but that's not the game we all choose to play as professional sellers and entrepreneurs. So this doesn't work that way. I would love to hear from you all. Uh, put a one in the chat if you find objections scary or a two if you welcome them your way. It is always a, a crazy thing. So I would love to hear from you all. What is it? Is it ones or twos? Okay, I'm seeing a lot of twos in here. It looks like people love the objections. It's good to hear. And some ones, which, you know, you got to learn how to overcome them. We're going to teach you how. So before we begin, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help with our daily sales show with instant access to resources that help elevate your sales game. You can check us out at sellbetter.xyz or scan the QR code on the screen right here and go ahead and check it out. Dropping the link in the chat now. Now, we wouldn't be able to do this without our partners. So special shout out to Zoom Info and Vouch. If you guys don't know about these, you have to. Zoom Info gives you tons of information that you can use in your sales. You want to know what your emails, the phone numbers of all your prospects are, Zoom Info is the way. And Vouch is one of the best tools you can use for video prospecting and even sales training. And of course, I'm going to show you guys the drop of the day is actually Vouch. So you guys can check it out. See how it is. It's a little bit different of an interface. You can actually ask questions and immediately answer them through the questions on the right hand side. Super cool, interactive. Check it out, guys. It's really, uh, it's pretty sweet. Now. What are we going to be touching on today? Our agenda. We're going to show you guys how and what to research so you can overcome any objection. Lastly, 
you want to do is a technique that's called listen, validate, and inspire. What is it and how can we use it in objections? And once it's all said and done, how do you overcome the objection fully and get past it so it's done? And before we move forward, I want to know who is in the room? This is super important for the conversation, guys. If we have a lot of SDRs, I'm going to ask SDR questions. If we have AEs, we're going to have a lot of AE questions. So let me know. Looks like I'm already seeing frontline managers and senior leadership in the room, which is great. This is, of course, going to be a short and sweet one. It's 30 minutes. So we're going to have your questions and we're going to bring them up. If we don't get to all of them, do apologize. Feel free to reach out to me after the show and I can go ahead and answer that for you. So it looks like we do have a lot of SDRs and AEs, but some pretty even frontline managers and senior leadership. Chris, does this surprise you at all? Not at all, man. I think one of the things that you want to look for in good leadership is that, you know, they're constantly looking to educate themselves so they can pass on that wisdom and knowledge and what a better way to spend 30 minutes. I mean, I know that when I was building FBR team, that I was a VP of sales before we sold our company, like I was always looking for one or two nights to pick up a week that I could bring back to our team. So I think it's really encouraging. Great to hear it. Great to hear it. So let's get on with those nuggets so that people get it right away. When it comes to objections, you are able to overcome them with research. But how do you do this effectively, Chris? Could you tell me more? Yeah. So if my opinion, right, that you need to follow a three-step path to figuring out research for objections. Remember, guys, objections are a good thing. But you want to think through it like a, like a funnel, right? And say we're all in sales. We all love funnels, right? So the top of it is going to be the problems that your products and services solve directly for your customers. You want to know that cold, but you want to know kind of the end stage, right? No one's, if you think back to the great, um, the flaming Mario meme, right? You don't want to sell the flower that Mario picks up in the original Super Mario Brothers. You want to sell Mario shooting the flames, right? That's the end goal that you're, that you're searching for. And so you want to understand the problems that your pro that the problems that your products and services solve for your customers and specifically how it impacts how they serve their customer, right? You don't want to just understand the, the frontline kind of efficiency impacts. You want to understand the second and third order parts of if the, if you solve this problem for your customers, how do they better solve problems for their customer? Mm. And by doing it, doing that, you can really drive um, a lot more value out than, hey, we're just making you a little bit better or things like that. You can you know, show direct ties to revenue and ramping income, all kinds of stuff. The next part is going to be is going to be the the industry side of thing, right? And the best way to get a hold of that is to get an understanding at a really high level of the problems that a specific industry is facing. Now, what I mean by that is, so let's say you sell and you sell software for the trucking and logistics industry. How are you going to understand the high level problems that they solve really, really quickly? Well, the easiest way to do that, and it is completely free, is to find the biggest players in that space. So for if you think in trucking and logistics, we're, think, we're talking FedEx, UPS, SIA, Old Dominion, those guys, take two minutes each and go and research the company name and 10K. 10K is going to be the annual report that is filed by all publicly traded businesses here in need that operate on US stock exchanges. And then one of the first few pages of that annual report is going to have an industry section. It's going to be like five to 10 paragraphs on how that industry views itself. And inside of that documentation, you can learn a lot about what they're facing. And better yet, if you scroll down even farther, or you just kind of search through it on the highlighted bar, you'll see the risk section in there, which is all of the risks that these companies are facing as they go about 
pursuing their financial goals for their stakeholder. And here's the best part. If they don't list a, list a risk and it has a material impact on that business, the officers and directors of that business are legally liable for loss for loss of the shareholder by their own mismanagement. So they literally will list out anything and everything that could possibly impact them. So if you're trying to understand the an industry, the industry overview and the risk section are huge. And then from there, you really want to understand your customer. And that's going to come down to really asking intelligent questions. But at the end of the day, you can also do a lot of research on your own by listening to podcasts, following your customers on social media, reading trade journals. I feel like trade journals have been forgotten the past couple of years since social media came up, but trade journals are huge, right? Do your own diligence to figure out what's going on with your customers. And at the end of the day, you know, I prefer, I don't know, we talked about this previously, Adrian, when we've spoken, you know, don't come at it with a, hey, you have this problem, but come at it with a curiosity and a hypothesis, right? Just quick question. I'm just curious, is this something that you guys have handled 110% or is this something that if you guys got a little bit better at it, could have a material impact on your business, mm. right? So don't assume you know the problem, know them in the back of your head, know them cold, have researched them a bit, but go ahead and make sure that like you're presenting it as a hypothesis because for all you know, they just solved it with some magic potion the day before and you look like an idiot. Or for all you know, they just burned $5 million to the ground trying to solve it and they're desperate to test up that hypothesis and see it come to, come to fruition. I like this. And, and you're really asking a question that, which is your hypothesis, right? To get more information out of them. Remember the whole thing is to understand the full scope of your prospect's problem and how your solution would fit in. Only way to do that is with hypothetical questions or just digging deeper, which is great to see. Now, I would love to hear from our audience. Do you guys prefer to research for problem, industry, or product? What do you guys prefer to research? Super interesting. Go ahead and let me know in the chat. You can just drop in problem. I like to research industry, maybe product. Just go ahead and throw it in there. Love to see it. Seeing a lot of industry here. So industry is a big one. People know what the wide macro view is, and then they dig deeper. And I think the second most popular one is problem. Okay, guys, this is great to see. Thank you so much for letting us know. So where can you find this info to research? Now, you mentioned this in the pre-call, Chris. You said journals, podcasts, financial documents, YouTube videos, or you can talk to other customers. If uh, SDR here, because I see we have 42% SDRs in the room and about 17% frontline managers. If they had to prioritize one so that they can move quickly, which should they be looking at so that they can overcome objections quickly? So I guess two thoughts. One, don't want to overcome objections too quickly, right? Because you're missing kind of the point. Well, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but I just don't want anybody to log off right now and be like, handle objections quickly. That's not the, that's not the goal, right? Um, first and foremost, Talk with your customer, your other customer. If you're in an established business, if you're an SDR and you want to learn, now your AEs and senior leadership might not give you ask the customer, listen to calls, right? Listen to calls, read notes in Salesforce and figure out what they're dealing, right? That is the best place to do it is through, you know, they use executive leader photography, VOC, voice of customer is always the best place to, to, to start from. From there, I would start digging into trade journals are a great thing podcasts there are tons and tons of industry specific podcasts that are available today and they might not have you know tons and tons of followers on them but you know executives go and use it to knowledge share within an industry and there's incredibly valuable information there 
you know, nowadays with everything out there, if, you know, someone has a podcast and they post YouTube, you can really quickly just go grab the YouTube transcript, drop it into Bard or Chat GPT and get that whole thing summarized for you in less than 20 or 30 seconds. And you can get a really good idea of what's important to these people, right? Um, from there, you know, I already mentioned the financial document. I can't mention that enough. The other good place to look is going to be investor day presentation. Like once a day, a lot, once a year, really big companies will go and they'll give these big presentations and they'll invite hedge funds and mutual funds and big family offices to come in and give a whole day of presentations on why their company is awesome and why you should buy their stock or their bond. And that's a great place to look. It is, it's going to be an investor day presentation. And then lastly, YouTube. More and more I'm seeing you know stuff from different trade associations and conferences that end up on YouTube, either as clips or full-on videos. And you know, you'll get into some of these things that might have like 30, 40 views on them. But it'll be a CEO of one of your customers talking for 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes about the issues that they're facing. I mean, who wouldn't want that type of insight? That is fantastic. Now, you mentioned something here that I think is so powerful and a little gem for you guys all. Be sure to, to rewatch this segment of the show. You said that you can just upload a podcast or even a YouTube video that you saw your prospect be on and upload it to ChatGPT, some AI to get a summary of it. That is so powerful. I know I've been there, you know, before the advent of AI where I had to go back and go, oh man, I have to listen to this one hour podcast, you know, and I'm just trying to prospect fast. So this can yeah. lessen your time so much better and understand your prospect to the fullest. So when you come into that call and you get objections, you are ready to handle them. Yeah. So let's mention one thing here though, because I, I want to move things along just a bit. And I know you talked about this method, which was the listen, validate, and inspire. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about these? Why is it important? Yeah. So one, like I'm never going to claim that and says, I picked this up from president of Salesforce, Jim Steele. I was having a conversation with him one day. And he was like, let me break it down to the most simple three-step process ever. Listen, validate, inspire. That's it. That's all you want to do on sales calls all day long. Listen, validate, inspire. And at the end of the day, and this is something that I struggle with personally, right? I know a lot of people do, right? Is one, you want to make sure people feel listened to, right? I find that, you know, if you can start with that in a business context, that's the first thing you want to get, right? And then you want to validate their existing experience. Yeah, you know, we've got it figured out and we have no interest in, in taking their call. And I hear you. You've got this thing 110% nailed down. You really do not care about this at all. That's what I'm hearing, right? Yeah. Right. You don't want to try to overcome something until you understand it. And then on the inspire part, a lot of people and uh, where I see a lot of salespeople struggle with the inspire part is they all salespeople, and I'm guilty of this too, right? We all get focused on what? What do we get focused on? Do you guys think you get focused on the next meeting? Do you think you get focused on closing a deal? Or do you think you get focused on your customer success? Right. Oftentimes we just get focused on getting the deal done, right? Because what are we getting pressure from senior leadership? We're getting pressure from senior leadership to bring in revenue to our business. When in fact, that's senior leadership selling their team short. Imagine if senior leadership, and this is for the whatever portion of the group we have out there, what if you were pushing your sales team to say, how much impact are we making one year from now for our customer? What if we started thinking about it, not in terms of revenue rate pipeline, but customer impact rate pipeline? It's a big thing I've been thinking about the past couple of years. And I talk a lot with my customers and our teammates about is 
I don't want to align necessarily to the biggest revenue possibility. I don't want to align to the biggest impact I can make. And the way that if you do that, right, in the, on the inspiring side of things, is you no longer set the goalpost, right, for selling at the contract, right? Adrian, who, there's no salesperson that doesn't want to sign an agreement, but there's also no client that can't wait to sign an agreement, right? I mean, every now and then you come across some guy who can't wait to spend $3 million with you, yeah. but it's not that common. But what if you start setting your goalpost at what is one year, what are we going to be talking about in one year celebrating your success working with our business? What will have changed inside of your business? How will your customers have been impacted? How will your stakeholders have been impacted? How much money will have been made? How much money will have been saved? How much risk will be that will be decreased, right? How, what's the future state of that business? And if you're inspiring to that point, well, then guess what? That signature we as salespeople need is only one small step in that process, which makes it much more attainable. You will inspire to the future state of the business. And so I set the target at least at the one-year review and the entire sales process is focused on reaching that goal, not the signature. And in doing that, your close rates will be good. Wow. Uh, that is such a great idea. And something that doesn't really come to mind is looking at the future state more often and being able to show a clear picture to your prospect. Now, I want to know to my audience, what do you guys struggle for the most when it comes to objections? Is it coming up with a response? Maybe validating your prospect's concerns or maybe stopping an objection from derailing the whole conversation. Because I've been there. It feels like you're just playing the catch-up game. You're like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we, have, we were going so smooth. Well, let me know. This happens very often and I would love to hear your guys' insights on this. So we talked about Inspire and how it's very important, but what about injecting it into the conversation fluidly? right? Like how, at what point should someone really look to inspire and know that it's the right key point in the conversation? They're like, okay, I feel like your concern has been met. Now let me inspire you. Yeah. Well, one, I think it's important, like the, in, the inspiration has got to start with a hypothesis, right? And, you know, when I started off in my career, I was in a leadership training program at State Farm. One of the things they taught us when I was in this 13 person cohort was when you're selling life insurance, if you're writing down the numbers that they need, that a family need, you're never going to close any deal. But if you hand a piece of paper over to the customer and you hand a pen to them and you say, I want you to write down all of the expenses that you're going to need covered if, unfortunately, the primary breadwinner passes away and you can no longer do it, right? It becomes their number. And it's the same reason why in B2B, I present hypothesis, hypotheses, sorry. Because if you do that, right, if Adrian, if I say, you know, at Sell Better, do you think if you guys add a better, and I'm not saying you have this issue at all, I'm just really role-playing here, right? If you guys had a better solution than Zoom for these these long-time sessions that you do, what would that look like? What would that feel like, right? Is it, is it crazy to think that it could get a little bit better, right? And you have a dialogue and you get the customer starting about what that future state could look like, mm. right? And by you, by by the customer vocalizing the future state, they start to inspire themselves. Then you say, can I just run an idea by you? What if we did A, B, and C? Maybe we can't get to C, but what if we did A, B? Would that, am I wildly out of line thinking that that might make your business better? And then from there, it just starts to happen really naturally as opposed to, let me tell you what this is going to look like. We're going to paint your roof red and you're going to have a red roof and you're going to have a great house. 
No, you want to get them talking very specifically about what it would be. And you really want to dive into their, their hopes and their dreams for their business, but only after you've established that there's a problem that you can fix and it's a problem worth solving, right? The other thing is a lot of frontline managers will teach us to go for the money, right? Monetize the pain, right? How many times have you guys heard that? Monetize the pain. But what nobody asks is, well, is that a meaningful amount of money? Yeah, this is a $20,000 problem. We've identified a $20,000 problem. Well, just curious, Adrian, do you, $20,000 going to make an impact on your business at all? Or is that not even worth talking about, right? Like you have to figure out if it's meaningful to the customer. So part of inspiring is making sure that you're hitting on a meaningful issue and not something that might sound meaningful to you as an SDR or an AE, but is really kind of, yeah, we burn $10 million to the ground with this every year. And quite frankly, we don't care. Or you might talk to some companies that it's like, oh yeah, it's $5 million and we really could reallocate that $5 million. Companies are crazy. They do not think like rational humans that are like, oh, I can save me $20,000. I can do it. But quite frankly, they just might not care. And you need to establish that out of the game. I love that. That is so important, everyone. You got to ask those meaningful, curious questions to understand your prospect's full environment, understand where they're living in, and if it even matters, the amount of money that your solution can solve. Now, all of this is very important towards objections because you can then understand how to navigate the conversation, right? You can then understand what better questions to ask to get over the hump of the objection and get dig basically deeper peel back that onion, you know, to get to their main concern. Now, one thing you mentioned, Chris, was on you got to be able to actively kill a deal. Now, you said this, you should actively be working to kill every deal that you have. When you hear this, you might be like, what am I killing? How am I doing this? Can you explain this a little bit more? What did you mean by it? So at at the end of the day, we're all going to face injection and we all know all the things that that our customers' products are are better at than us, that our legal team screw up for us when we go to negotiate. And I find that it's always better to own those problems and bring them up yourself. And it takes away their power, right? It's like the great clip at the end of the Eminem movie, Eight Mile, right? When he goes up and he goes in the freestyle battle, he's just listing off all the things, right? I live in a trailer. My mom is white trash. My best friend's got these problems, right? Like all the things, right? Only your problems and actively work to kill your deal. So if you're working in a deal and let's say you get to the legal negotiation standpoint, you know, you may find out that, you know, over the course of time working with your company, that the majority of the time they end up running into issues with contract, right? Well, these are the three or four contractual issues and this is how we handle them. Just so you know, this is going to take, if we don't handle this now, it's going to take three months of back and forth legal work for us to deal with, right? You know, if you have product feature issues, own them. Hey, just so you know, these are the two or three things that people are going to run into that are a problem and address them right on the day because if you don't try to kill your deal, someone else will. Is it better to have an objection come from a competitor about your product or for you to just bring it up, right? And I can't tell you how often I'll tell people, it's like, look, if this one feature is super duper important to you, you probably should call our competition. We used to tell you a lot over the years, right? If that is the deal breaker for you, you should call them. I got a friend who's a rep over there. I'll just refer you over there and you can walk away, right? Like it is so much better to own it. I know there's some senior leadership finder that's going to be like throwing up in their mouth right now hearing that, <laughs> but it's, it's the reality. 
oh, if you don't own your problems, someone else will own them for you. And so actively try to kill every deal up until it's signed. But I don't really know if you guys are a good fit for us. Is this, is this too much money? Is this going to take up too much of your budget? Right? Are you going to get a return fast enough? Get people talking about all the reasons that they want to be talking to you. Right? And if you're familiar with the old Sandler stuff, not that I'm creating, right? Someone might just comment it on your push pull, right? An object in motion, stage in motion, right? If you start talking about the positive stuff and pull it towards you, then they're going to be like, yeah, get away from me, right? But if you say, yeah, no, I don't think this is for you, push them away. More than likely, human psychology, they're going to end up coming back to you. And it's an objection that they can't. Yeah. Picture anything is a fantastic book. There's all kinds of stuff out there that you can do. But yeah, don't be too positive and own your objections. Kill your own guilt. All right. Now we do have a little bit of time for one question. So if anyone has one in the Q&A, go ahead and throw it in there so we can get to it and answer it. Now, one thing you mentioned as well for the objections and understanding a deal is you got to know the layout of your deal. You got to understand all the players, understand the rules, and understand yep. everything that can go wrong. Now, why do you want to understand this so well? And I know you brought this up in regards to uh, multi-thread. So can you tell yep. me more about that? Yeah. So the important part here is to make sure when you're multi-threading deals, you have to be completely honest with your prospect. I'm not only going to be talking to you. My job is to make sure that we can solve problems for your company and that you are also a good fit for us as a customer, right? Not all customers are created equal. Sometimes you don't want customers, right? And so you need to go through and think about that and address it. And the easiest way to multi-thread it is to make sure that your team is aligned with the customer's team, right? So let's say, for example, that you sell a piece of HR tech, right? Why would you, why would you not bring your chief human resources officer, your head of HR into deals, right? If, you, if they can't speak to your product, then why in the world would you be talking to a customer, right? If you have a head of engineering, have them in for a five or 10 minute call to talk with the, other, the customer's head of engineering, if you have an engineering-based solution, and make sure that everybody, all the experts right, agree that you can solve problems for them. I oftentimes bring in my head of engineering, one of my close friends, to act as bad cop and talk about all the reasons people should do business with us. Right? Because the engineer could come in and say, hey, if you're not set up this way, if you don't have this issue, if you don't have the you're not going to be able to, to work with us. Just letting it up. And people are like, oh, yeah, sure, we can handle that. I'm the guy talking about it. It's just different. And so just be honest. I'm going to talk to other people and then multi-thread by bringing in the appropriate counterparties to everyone who's involved in the decision-making and user process on your customer side. That's the best way to multi-thread a deal. Wow. Okay, fantastic. Now, I see we're coming up here to close to the end of time. So I want to know, where can the people find you, Chris? Yeah, so on LinkedIn, is the best thing. So if you're on here right now, they just drop by like to comment. I expect to have a uh, hundred and thirty some new LinkedIn invites. I'll accept all of them. Send me DMs with any questions you guys have. And then if you really want to go deep into the finance aspects of sales, so sales leaders and enterprise and mid-market reps, if you want to understand how to sell into CFO, sell to CFO, I have a course called the Million Dollar Dealmaker Toolkit. The link is going to be dropped in here real quick, check it out, send me some DMs. It'll teach you how to analyze financial statements and build investment proposals that CFOs can get behind and tear and tear apart. And it has been a blast to work with that whole community we've been building. 
Fantastic. Go and make sure to check his uh, stuff out. It is very informational and very empowering. It's going to help you get over any type of objection, but also just learn how to navigate your deals better. You know, he's going to yeah. teach you everything and more. So be sure to check that out. Now, just to give you guys a quick recap, you want to make sure that you own the layout of your deal. Understand what is going on. If there's something that's going wrong, make sure that you can actually come up with uh, what your product might be lacking in and continue going back. Now, uh, before I continue with this recap, and also you want to do the framework, you want to do a listen, validate, and you want to, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little bit here flustered just because I'm, I'm seeing this, uh, this question here, but listen, validate, and inspire. And uh, lastly, you want to make sure that you can actually research according to what you got going ahead of you. So problems, industry, and product. So RM here asks, before we wrap up, we didn't go cover any specific objections, but we did give you guys all the tools you need to understand how you can overcome an objection very quickly. Essentially, you want to do this research and you want to be able to just overcome it by owning up to your product and asking more curious and meaningful questions. So thank you so much, Chris. This has been fantastic. And thank you to everyone who engaged in the chat. It is great to see and we will catch you all on the next one. See you later. Thanks, Chef.